0: But how did those players get to that moment? And who built the venue and signed the contracts? We dig into the business side of sports and give you the answers. This is Sports Business Radio. Now, from our studios in Portland, Oregon, with Sports Business Radio, here's your host, Brian Berger.
1: Well, thanks for checking out the only show in the country dedicated to covering the business side of sports on a global scale. It is great to be with you. We are counting down the top ten sports business stories of 2013. We've had our crack staff together to compile the stories. We've taken your input on Twitter at SB Radio. Some of you have emailed us. Uh, you can always find us online at sportsbusinessradio.com. We're on a number of apps now as well. You can always find us on iTunes, a very popular podcast on iTunes. Just type in Sports Business Radio. We are now on the new talk radio app called Swell. Really good app if you like talk radio and you just want talk radio. Whether it's sports, news, anything else, Swell, Uh, you can find it at Swell app, I believe, on uh, Twitter. Uh, We are on TuneIn Radio. We're on a number of different places. So uh, if you don't catch us in real time, make sure to catch the podcast via those places. You can always become our Facebook friend or follow us on Twitter. Those links are available, again, at our website at sportsbusinessradio.com. Good to welcome in executive producer Brian Griggs. Griggs, how
2: are you? Doing good, doing good. Glad to uh, be in the studio with you doing a show. It feels good, like old times. Happy holidays. <laughs> Same to you. Definitely. Yeah,
1: usually, for those of you who don't know, I've set up a studio uh, remotely. Makes it a lot easier for me to conduct interviews and things like that. So Griggs and I are usually uh, talking via phone. So mm-hmm. now, for the year in show, we had to uh, bring it together. It's big time. Oh, it's big time. <laughs>
2: We got no, our pizza sitting here. Exa- we're doing
1: it. No expenses <laughs> spared. And I mean, here's another thing that we were just talking about before we started is we are entering twenty fourteen will be ten years of sports business radio. We launched in April of two thousand four. So really quite a journey, a number of amazing guests that we've had the pleasure of having on the show. You can always find some of our best interviews at sportsbusinessradio.com. Just look in the interview section. But, uh, wow, I can't believe it's almost
2: 10 years, Greg. That is crazy. And I mean, you mentioned some of the guests. It's, the lineup is crazy. I, I was on the website today just kind of going through old stuff, listening to last year's show, and, and I'm like, man, we've had a lot of awesome people on, and they're great interviews. So, yeah, I encourage you to go on there, check out some of the podcasts and some of the interviews with big names, you know, Jack Nicholas and uh, all kinds of names.
1: Well, and I thank everyone out there for listening. We have a very loyal following, uh, people who interact with us on Twitter. And, uh, it's been a lot of fun and it's just fun to watch it all grow. And as I think we've seen from the beginning of 2004 to now, the business side of sports has only grown more relevant yeah. and is covered by more and more outlets. And, you know, I feel like we were kind of at the forefront of that coverage along with a few other really talented sports business reporters. And, you know, one of the things we try and do on this show is bring the people who are calling the shots. That's our motto. We talk to the people who call the shots in the world of sports. And let's hear it from those people who are making the big decisions and let's let them offer that insight and even share with us, like a Mark Cuban does, you know, how he went from selling powdered milk and teaching disco dancing <laughs> lessons to owning the. Dallas Mavericks and being a multi-billionaire it's fun to see how people take their path to success
2: well and that's why I like the show too is because we talk about business side of sports but it's not a boring talking numbers the whole time we get into these people that you don't hear some of the stuff like Mark Cuban talking about where he started and some of these other big uh, you know big wigs that started just like anybody and had no-name jobs you know pushing grocery carts around and all of a sudden the right person got in the right thing and went to the right school and boom and it's things like that you don't hear on normal, you know, shows around around the country. And we hit on those topics, and I think it it makes it a fun insight to, uh, you know, to to you listeners that uh, don't get to hear that very often.
1: Well, we are going to begin our countdown of the top ten sports business stories according to us of the year twenty thirteen. And I'll tell you what, there are some stories from this year that I fully expect to reverberate into. Next year as well So we'll st- we'll start our countdown Coming up next You're listening to Sports Business Radio We'll be right back Happy Holidays From
0: Sports Business Radio More of our countdown Of the top 10 sports business stories of the year Coming up next
1: Hi, it's Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. When I'm not on the radio, I team with nationally known sports writer and broadcaster Rick Buker, former Nike PR senior executive Lee Weinstein, and veteran strategic communications executive John Lashway to form media and social media training firm Everything Is On The Record. The Everything is on the Record team provides a unique blend of strategic PR and journalism expertise to our clients. We have worked in the trenches in corporate boardrooms with CEOs and company spokespeople. We've also worked in newsrooms alongside editors and reporters. Everything is on the Record uses an innovative and unique approach to media training. Through the use of current media and social media examples tailored specifically for you, we prepare you for how best to relate to the digital media world that exists today. Whether you're meeting with a reporter, sitting at your home computer, or typing on your smartphone, you're on the record. We'll also put you through real-life scenarios where you'd be dealing with a reporter so when you see the real thing, you'll be well-prepared and comfortable with a goal of enhancing your image. Protecting your reputation and helping you connect with the people who are most important to your brand, we will show you how to develop the skills you need to be successful in a world where everyone has a camera, a recorder, and a desire to make news. For more information on our services and to learn more about our team of communications all stars, go online to everythingisontherecord.com. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at everythingisontherecord.com. You can call us today at 503 701. Two, two, one, five. Back to Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. All right, we're back and we are beginning our countdown of the top 10 sports business stories of the year 2013. A reminder you can follow us on Twitter at SB Radio. Let's start with number 10. And this happened just recently. Private investment firm Fortsman Little. Has agreed to sell sports, entertainment, and fashion agency IMG to competitor William Morris Endeavor and its financial backer Silver Lake Partners. Griggs, the price tag, a hefty two point three billion with the B dollars. Now, the sale could have really large ramifications in the area of athlete representation and marketing. Depending how William Morris Endeavor is able to adjust to the sports world, they're mostly known for representing movie stars, recording artists. Now they're getting into the mix with CAA, with, uh, uh, who is it? Uh, Wasserman, mm-hmm. Wasserman Media Group. So there are some real giants out there. And now we're going to see if, They can uh, play with the big boys. And, you know, IMG was started long ago with a handshake by its founder Mark McCormick in the 1960s. His first client was Arnold Palmer, the golfer. So they've had a lot of golf players, a lot of tennis guys. And now they're going to see if they can uh, move into athlete representation. And another interesting thing here, most of you listening will know... Uh, You ever watch Entourage on HBO? Some of it, yes. Okay, I'm a big fan of the show. And Ari Gold is the agent on Entourage. And Ari Gold's character is based on the real-life agent Ari Emanuel. So Ari Emanuel was part of this deal. Because Ari Emanuel started Endeavor. So Ari Emanuel is probably going to be at the forefront of leading the athlete representation. As a complete side note, we found out this year that Entourage, which is no longer on HBO, is being made into a movie. So Entourage is going from the small screen to the big screen. So you're going to be hearing Ari Emanuel slash Ari Gold's name in fiction and in the real world uh a lot in the next year.
2: Yeah, it's funny how the big the big league players like these guys, it's it's a small circle when you start looking at everything, how many people are related to, oh, that guy did this, that's why he's here. And you just kind of put the puzzle together like you're saying. Like, okay, they represent movie actors and all this stuff. Oh, Entourage, oh, he's part of that. Okay, and <laughs> you start seeing the tie-ins of how it all works out. You do, and it's funny. I, I was at uh, CAA
1: and Wasserman this past year, and when I went to CAA, it's totally like uh Entourage on HBO where you walk in and it's got the shiny glitzy lobby yeah. and you see stars and you're kind of like oh hey that looks like so and so and that hey and then they take you up the elevator and they've got the fancy meeting rooms yeah. and you know the nice offices overlooking the you know the Hollywood hills and things like that so it is very much like the HBO series Entourage in the in the real world but it'll be interesting to see how this works out and look anytime a company is purchased uh, of the caliber of IMG and you have a price tag of 2.3 billion dollars, that's a big deal.
2: Yeah, it's definitely a big deal and it, it will be interesting to see what changes happen if it's immediate or if it's down the road a ways. Obviously, there's some ideas in the heads there at you know to pay that kind of a price tag for something like this. I think we'll see some uh, some updates and upgrades and changes in the near future, I think.
1: Our ninth biggest story of the year 2013. Los Angeles Lakers owner Jerry Buss dies. And this had a lot of effects just this year. But if you go back to the beginning, Jerry Buss, really incredible story. 24 years old. He had a Ph.D. in chemistry. He had careers in aerospace. And where he really made his money, Griggs, was in real estate development before getting into sports. So he bought the Lakers from Jack Kent Cook $67.5 million. When Jerry Buss passed away earlier this year, the Lakers are valued at well over a billion dollars now, second to the New York Knicks among NBA franchises. So you look at the appreciation of the value of the Lakers, one of the crown jewels in United States sports. You put them with the Yankees and the Celtics and the Red Sox and, the Dodgers and some of those other crown jewels of the sports world. But what's interesting is Jerry Buss has always had great success with the Lakers. He always you know, knew how to run a team. He had great respect from his players and coaches. And since his departure, since he died, now his kids are running the team. And things haven't been quite as smooth, and the Lakers are definitely in a rebuilding mode. Jim Buss is in charge of basketball operations. Jeannie Buss is in charge of business operations. Jeannie is engaged, or maybe now married by this time, I can't keep up, with Phil Jackson, former Lakers coach, so it is a soap opera. (laughs) But, look, Jerry Buss, you put him in the same Mount Rushmore as George Steinbrenner and some of the great owners of sports history in the united states and it was a great loss and a lot of people you know very sad to see his passing 80 years old you know i think that's pretty early to depart this world so you know a sad thing anytime you lose an icon like a jerry bus
2: well that's why he's in our top 10 because he is just one of those elite top 10 owners i mean he just has it he knows how to do it he's had a history of it people love him You know, players love him and, and there's only a few of those in the world and we're seeing it with his kids. Not that they're bad at what they do, but you're seeing that kind of a downturn since he's passed it. You know, they might not have the same juice flowing quite yet. Now that could, that could change. Who knows? And, uh, something interesting too. I was looking at doing some research on bus, a big poker guy. Yeah. Third place in the uh, World Championships of Poker was his best finish wow. back in '91. <laughs> nice. I didn't know he's a poker guy, but apparently he did pretty well. Well,
1: he played poker. He liked Vegas. He always yeah. had a uh, an attractive young lady on his arm.
2: <laughs> yep.
1: But look, he won ten NBA titles. The Lakers won ten NBA titles under his ownership. Guys like Magic Johnson, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, James Worthy, Kobe Bryant, Shaquille O'Neal. These were iconic players that played under his ownership he knew when to take care of guys he knew when to pull the trigger with a coach or a trade and you know the bottom line was he was a winner and he was very successful and you look at the multi-billion dollar deal that the Lakers have with Time Warner Cable you look at what they're able to charge for courtside seats and the uh, success at the box office with ticket sales a lot of that is due to Jerry Buss. And yeah. it will be interesting to me to see, can his kids, much like the Steinbrenner kids, continue the success? Because guess what? The Yankees, they have not had the same level of success since George has not been relevant and since he passed on. So it'll be interesting to, to see uh, where the Lakers go from here. Our eighth biggest story of the year 2013, Penn State pays out $59.7 million to 26 Jerry Sandusky sex abuse victims. Now, this was a huge story in 2012 with Joe Paterno passing away, the scandal at Penn State, Jerry Sandusky going to jail, and then there were all these lawsuits filed by victims against Penn State. And the same law firm that handled the settlements for the BP uh, oil spill worked on this. The same law firm that worked on some of the 9-11 settlements worked on this. So this was taken very seriously. It was negotiated over a number of months. Look, there's no price tag you can put for the heinous acts that Jerry Sandusky committed against his victims, but it's good to see there's some restitution and maybe some peace of mind, and maybe some of the victims can now afford some help because of the settlements that were handed out. But $59.7 million was the price tag that was paid out by Penn State to these
2: victims. Yeah, I agree, like you said. I mean, there's, you know, money helps, but it doesn't cover what, what happened, obviously, but I do like that this was handled pretty quickly. I mean, something this massive could have taken years to, to figure right. out, you know, with that kind of money and, and the media that was around it and the school and all that. So I think it, it kept it fresh on the minds. It kept it, and they got it done. They pushed it through the courts, and I think that helps with the healing process of these victims, too.
1: Well, and look, we talk a lot about negatives and scandals and things like that in sports. Penn State, in my opinion, has done a remarkable job since Joe Paterno died, since Bill O'Brien was hired, since they have new leadership at Penn State. I think they're laying a foundation for future success. They realize they made some very grave mistakes. They realize that cannot happen again and that their brand was really tarnished. And I like what they've done to try and turn things around to accept responsibility and to say this will never happen again under our watch that is a sign of a good organization
2: i think you're right too and i think immediately after this all came out they started that rebuilding process because they knew something like this could easily crush a place at university forever i mean it's it's that big of a story and without turning if they didn't come out and start changing things right away i think that uh, there'd be even more lost for Penn State, so I agree. I think they've done a great job so far, and I think they're going to just continue to build. and I think you'll start seeing recruits starting to come back. The, the stands are starting to get full. And it's not all about that, but I think that's going to start. You'll start seeing that.
1: Well, you'll see. You'll see people proud to be a Penn State alum again, right. and, and not embarrassed by what happened there. And trust me, I have worked with a number of organizations that are in denial after something like this happens. Oh, this will just blow over, or this is going to go away over time. Uh, We don't need to be responsible. They took responsibility. They associated with people who could help expedite this settlement. And $59.7 million is the price tag that they paid out to the Jerry Sandusky sex abuse victims. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we will continue our countdown of the top 10 sports business stories of the year 2013. You're listening to Sports Business radio we're counting down the top 10 sports
0: business stories of the year the show continues after this
2: it's the best time of the year I don't know if there'll be snow
1: hi this is Brian Berger host of sports business radio it's no secret that we're battling a tough economy these days it's more difficult than ever for companies to position their brand in a unique way and reach their target audience sports business radio can help you though. Sports Business Radio is syndicated in markets nationwide. Our popular podcast is regularly rated in the top 100 business news podcasts on iTunes and has listeners around the world. But our radio network and podcast aren't the only places your company will receive exposure when you join our family of sponsors. We'll also give you exposure via sportsbusinessradio.com and at our new sports executive speaker series events which feature a conversation with a key decision maker from the world of sports in front of a live audience. And best of all, we can expose your product to the big-name guests that appear on our show. We'd love to have you on our team. Please contact me at brian at sportsbusinessradio.com or at 503-701-2215 if you're interested in becoming a sponsor of Sports Business Radio. The website is sportsbusinessradio.com Alright, we're back counting down the top 10 sports business stories of the year 2013. We are now at story number 7. Grigg's a really bad story here. you know you, we hear about players, especially in the NFL, who you know, let's face it, these guys are gladiators. These guys are just they've got a lot of uh energy behind them, and you know, there's a lot of people that love watching them compete, but this is a bad story. There's been a lot of off the field problems for the NFL over the years. And Aaron Hernandez, 24 years old, has pled not guilty to murder and weapons charges in both the criminal case and now, just weeks ago, the mother of the man who Hernandez is accused of killing in June has filed a wrongful death lawsuit against the former New England Patriots player. So Aaron Hernandez basically held responsible for the murder of a gentleman named Odin Lloyd. And I remember when this story came out, it was kind of like, well, okay, a car registered to Aaron Hernandez has been found at the scene of the crime, and you start going, well, boy, maybe he's running with some bad dudes. They borrowed his car, and uh, this isn't going to turn out well for his buddies. But then, as the news cycle continues, we start going, well, wait a minute here. Maybe Aaron Hernandez was involved and it winds up where Aaron Hernandez is charged with murder and weapons charges in the death of Odin Lloyd. And, you know, I give the New England Patriots a lot of credit in that they immediately released him, they immediately distanced themselves from him, and everyone from owner Robert Kraft to coach Bill Belichick came out and said, obviously, we don't condone this type of behavior. This is unacceptable. He's no longer a part of our organization. But there's so many levels of this story. One is, you know, do you really ever know someone? So, you know, especially NFL teams put so much preparation and intelligence, almost too much intelligence, some have said, into learning about players that they're going to pay millions of dollars to and and draft and make a part of their team. Obviously, Aaron Hernandez had had problems in the past, but I don't think there's many people out there who would have said, well, we see all of those problems culminating in murder charges down the road. It's just a terrible story.
2: Oh, yeah, it, and it it's like it keeps growing, too. You keep hearing little tidbits of things about, like I was reading today, you know, his fiances has apparently been destroying evidence or has destroyed some Mm -hmm. and just little things here and there. It's like, this is just a mess. And it's just this full circle of all the people you hang with is what gets you in trouble, you know? Well, and then not to make light
1: of the situation, but when you're, you know, going and categorizing some of the dumbest moves of all time, some of the dumbest criminal activity, he had a video camera in his house, And the video camera shows him with the gun and supposedly some of the evidence that was gathered from video cameras in his own house basically, you know, place him with a smoking gun. And (laughs) you're like, hey, dude, if you're going to commit a crime, not endorsing any crime out there, especially (laughs) murder. But if you're going to commit a crime, you might not want to do it in front of cameras or have smoking guns in front of the cameras. It's really amazing how... I guess he thought he could do this and get away with it or that it wouldn't be tied to him in, in some capacity. And again, he has not been charged officially with murder. He's in jail. The law enforcement people are usually pretty good at putting people in jail without any uh, bail if they've got evidence on you. So there's probably a good chance at some point that he is going to be formally charged with. Murder.
2: Yeah. And and one other thing too, talking business, the Patriots how you were talking about they released him. Also, I thought it was cool what they did with the fans, is like if somebody had a jersey, his jersey, they could yeah. bring it in and swap it out. Yep. That's a good move too, I think, PR wise for the for the Patriots as well.
1: Well, and come on. One of the silliest things I saw in the weeks after this, I remember some of the media coverage. I don't know, rip on my brethren, but there were actually some people out there, Griggs, that were saying do you think there's a team in the NFL that might take a chance on putting Aaron Hernandez (laughs) on their roster? And I was like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Yeah. If a guy who's been charged with murder ever winds up on an NFL roster again, and I know there's been some manslaughter charges out there, people driving drunk and, you know, unfortunately running over people, and they've had to go to prison, but this is a little different. And... The thing for the NFL, and here I am a PR guy. This is not good for the PR of the NFL. When you have, you know, a lot of the guys in the NFL who are branded gangster, you know, the next Tony Soprano, and you have these types of activities, it's just not good. So I know the NFL, you know, not pleased with this story, not pleased with the fact that it continues in the news cycle and that shows like ours continue to talk about this. But look, it's a big story. This guy was not a bench warmer. He was a star tight end. He had recently signed an NFL deal Uh, with Gronkowski going down this year. He would have been their go-to guy. So if you look at it from X's and O's and what it did to affect the football team, it really affected the football team because they were without one of their best players. The New England Patriots, their team largely built around Tom Brady being able to throw to Gronk and Aaron Hernandez. And Gronk has been hurt, and he's hurt again, and he's out until at least the beginning of next season, if they're lucky. And Hernandez is done. There's not an NFL team that will ever touch that guy again. And, you know, he may be in jail for a long time, if not the rest of his uh, life. So uh, it'll be interesting to follow the story. Probably other lawsuits will spawn from the wrongful death lawsuit filed by the mother of Odin Lloyd, but sad story. I mean, Odin Lloyd, sad. I mean, anytime someone loses their life. All right, let's move on to our sixth biggest story of the year, 2013. This was one that surprised me, Griggs. NBA owners voted to keep the Kings in Sacramento. No move to Seattle. Chris Hansen and his group, very aggressive in pursuing the Kings, I made them leader in the clubhouse. I really thought that David Stern, before he checked out as commissioner, I thought with some of the relocation fees that could have been coming to owners, I thought the owners would vote this through. I thought this was going to be a move. All right, you get a team back in Seattle, a bigger market than Sacramento. I know Sacramento has been a longtime NBA market. But look, they've had years to get an arena deal done there, and they hadn't gotten it done. And then at the last second, got to give Mayor Kevin Johnson a lot of credit. I mean, the guy saved the day for Sacramento. And he brought in new owners, and he brought in owners with deep pockets, and owners, frankly, with ties that the NBA had wanted to uh, get to for a long time. And the team has remained in Sacramento. Now, I will say this. The arena is not built. (laughs) The doors have not been opened to the new arena in Sacramento. When that day comes, I will say, okay, the Kings are in Sacramento for the long term. Until that happens, I will always be a little bit skeptical because we've had years for them to get a new arena deal done, and it hasn't gotten done. So I need to be shown the new arena. And see the ground broken, see the construction finished, see the ribbon cutting, and then I will say, okay, Kings are in Sacramento for the long term.
2: Yep, and uh, I agree with you, and I think single-handedly the only reason this has happened, I think Kevin Johnson is, is really the reason they stayed for at least this season and, and maybe next and uh, because he he just rallied the troops. He got the community behind it. He got the fan base pumped up again. And, uh, I mean, I think without him down there, they probably would have been in Seattle pretty quickly.
1: Well, and there are deadlines for Sacramento to get right. their arena started and built. And if they don't meet those deadlines, then all bets are off. And the owners of the Kings know that. So, you know, they didn't buy this team thinking they were going to move from Sacramento. They were passionate about saying, we're going to stay in Sacramento. And, and I happen to believe these guys. A lot of times, like Clay Bennett and the group who bought the team in Seattle but moved them to Oklahoma City, they were all from Oklahoma City. You knew they were going to move yeah. the Sonics to Oklahoma City. With this group, I believe they want to be in Sacramento, but only with the new state-of-the-art arena. Once that's here, I'll say Kings are in Sacramento for the long term. Until that happens, I'm a little skeptical. I also spoke with someone in the last two weeks who is very well connected to uh, NBA and Seattle circles, and the person told me, and this was really interesting to me, when Adam Silver becomes the new commissioner of the NBA early next year, 2014, he has no plans to expand So if you're Seattle and you want a team, can you go out and get Milwaukee? Is there another team you can get to relocate? Because there's not going to be expansion. And there will probably not be expansion for the next five to ten years. So if you're in Seattle and you're hoping, oh, we want NBA basketball again, you've got to hope that either the arena deal fails in Sacramento or that you can get another team to relocate because it doesn't sound like expansion is in the plans according to the people I've spoken with.
2: Yeah, and I still think I mean Seattle I just back of my mind says there'll be there'll be a team there again because of that. It just it feels right for basketball there, but I don't know, I'm a West Coast guy. I liked Seattle. I like the rivalry that I had with my Blazers.
1: Other unnamed <laughs> sources that I've spoken to, pretty reliable, have told me that you will see NHL hockey. In Seattle, before you will see NBA basketball. And if you recall, Chris Hansen, part of the uh, trigger with getting an arena built in Seattle is they need one of those two anchor franchises. They need an NHL team or they need an NBA team. I think they're going to get an NHL team. I won't be surprised if they get an NHL team in 2014 from people I've spoken with. And I think that's much more realistic at this point for Seattle than an NBA team uh, either expanding or relocating to the Seattle area. Our fifth biggest story of the year, 2013, the NHL lockout ends January 6th, if you remember right after the start of the year, 113 days, 600 canceled games. The NHL and the NHL Players Association finally reached an agreement on a new collective bargaining agreement. And, you know, this is one of those things, Griggs, where the NHL has had a number of work stoppages in the last 10 years. And their TV ratings have declined. Attendance at venues, except for maybe a handful of teams, have declined. And for a league to have an extended lockout of 113 days... I'm not going to say it's the death knell, but the league did not return at nearly the rate that it was before the lockout, and it took 10 steps backwards once again, and I don't consider the NHL one of the big four anymore. I really don't. I would even put Major League Soccer, you know, NFL is first, NBA and Major League Baseball are two and three in whatever order you want to put them in. I would put Major League Soccer in front of the NHL now. I don't put NHL, and I'm talking pro leagues because I know some people would say that college football is number 2 to the NFL if you look at TV ratings and the big business of, of sports, but if you're looking at pro sports leagues in the United States— I don't think the NHL is a top four league anymore, and it's because you have multiple work stoppages over the course of a decade that turns your fans off.
2: Yep, and I was looking at it, it's like the fourth, I think, now since 91 or something like that, which is just, and that's the thing too, you try to get fans back, well, what in the back of their head they're thinking, okay, when, is, when am I going to buy season tickets and then have a, the season cut in half again? You know, as a fan, you start worrying about when's this gonna happen again because of the record of it happening every couple years. So I think and like this last one, you know, the hundred and thirteen days, that's ridiculous. I mean that that's that is a killer right there. I mean you can't and then your seasons are all thrown off and, and the players get, you know, out of shape, they get screwed up, it messes everything up. I think the
1: players and the owners recognized after the first of the year, shortly before before they got the deal done on January sixth, look, we've gotta get back to playing hockey or we are going to kill our league. And no one's going to pay attention. So kudos to them after 113 days of figuring that out. If you're interested, the 2013-14 salary cap last season and this season, uh, so the uh, the current season, $64.3 million with a floor of $44 million. So you know, that's what they were arguing about, several other things. If you look at the NHL, their ticket price, Griggs, is on par with an NBA ticket. A lot of people think, oh, you know, the NBA is so expensive. Well, the NHL is just about as expensive. And again, this is a league that's had lockouts or work stoppages multiple times in the last 10 years. It cannot happen again. Gary Bettman cannot let this happen again, or else the league is going to move further and further towards irrelevance in the United States
2: yep totally agree and I'm I'm a big hockey guy, so it, it it pains me to you know have the stoppage and the stoppage and then it's on and it's off and it's on it's so yeah, just get it done they got they got a solidify it or it's I mean that the league's going to just keep falling apart.
1: Well, and going back to the Seattle story that we just talked about, yeah. if you're Chris Hansen, franchise values are pretty reasonable right now, yeah because of the fact that a lot of owners are like, do I really want to be in a league <laughs> where TV ratings are down, TV money's not great? compared to all the other leagues that have, like, funny money with their TV money. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so maybe if you're Chris Hansen, you can get into the NHL at a decent price, and you bring NHL hockey to Seattle, and I actually think it would play well in Seattle because of its proximity to Canada and because of the natural rivalries that we'd be built in. All right, our fourth biggest story of the year 2013, Lance Armstrong... Finally, after a decade, Griggs admits to doping and using performance-enhancing drugs. January 14th, sat down with Oprah, got on the couch, did the confessional, and what many people had speculated for many, many years, and I will sit here and tell you that I was one of the people who defended Lance Armstrong. I was someone who said he is one of the most tested athletes in the history of sports, if he was cheating, someone would have developed a test sophisticated enough to catch his cheating and catch the fact that he was using performance-enhancing drugs. That didn't happen, and, you know, (laughs) the evidence did mount, though, and I think one of the key moments for Lance Armstrong was when Nike dropped Lance Armstrong. When Nike dropped him, it was really over because... They dropped him in a very public way. They had started the whole Livestrong Yellow RISP and campaign, raised millions of dollars, really gave Livestrong that launching platform to start the organization. And when he had to walk away from Nike, and when he had to walk away from Livestrong, that was really the end of Lance Armstrong. And it's going to be interesting to see. I read uh, a recent interview with him, and I think he's been more and more forthcoming in his interviews. Since January, you know, you don't know what's going to happen. There's no more Gulf Streams that he's flying on. He's very public now. He's had to, you know, give back millions and millions of dollars. He's trying to settle with sponsors and people who gave him huge endorsement deals. But the reason this is the fourth biggest story isn't because it's a shock that Lance Armstrong admitted that he was using PEDs, but. This guy was the sportsman of the year for Sports Illustrated. This guy was the face of the Livestrong organization and the face of a fight against cancer for many, many people. And we found out officially earlier in 2013 that it was all a fraud. And I don't know in my lifetime if we've seen a bigger fraud in sports than what we saw so play out with Lance Armstrong.
2: Yeah, I think you're right. I think it covered such a span of so many years and so many people involved and so many sponsors, big-name sponsors, uh, history. Like you said, I mean, I think I think everyone was on board with him as just a superhuman athlete. Like he was just that good and just blessed, you know, because of all the years we saw him riding that bike and, the, and everything he's done. And then you look at it on the other side of it, and that's the argument a lot of people are saying, look how many people he helped, even if it was, you know, quote, illegal money because he got it by using, you know, doing the sport illegally he still helped a lot of people which that's i guess a benefit of this if you can look at the benefit side of it is people were touched and obviously lots of cancer research was raised through live strong that's the good side the bad side is is what he's dealing with now is you know he's got to be in the public eye and nobody likes him pretty much
1: (laughs) well and here's the thing and he said this in interviews and i agree if he never came back in 2005 I don't think this ever comes out, and I don't think he ever has to come out and admit that he used PEDs because there were no tests. There was no smoking gun anywhere. There was nothing that anyone could say 100% without a doubt Lance Armstrong used performance-enhancing drugs. But because he's a narcissist, because he needed to be back in the spotlight, and by the way, he went after people hard. If you came after Lance Armstrong with an accusation, he... ...filed lawsuits against you, he called you liars, he said, prove it, I'll meet you anytime, anywhere, I mean, he was absolutely on fire against people who came after him, if he had just kind of shaken off those accusations, nodded his head, okay, they've got no proof, you know, the truth will be in in the proof, whatever... But because of the fact that he bent over backwards to threaten people that accused him, that's what makes this story even more remarkable and, and quite frankly, uh, flammable for Lance Armstrong.
2: Yeah, and I think that's what makes people want to kind of step on him even more, because a lot of people were angry because of how he acted around it. And just the whole—I mean, that's a lot of years to cover up such a big story like that. And, uh, you know, I think it was shocking-slash-not-shocking when it came out, because I think people started kind of figuring out something was going on, but— Still, I mean, a huge story. I mean, it's on our list for a reason. I mean, he was a massive athlete and many, many years doing it, so.
1: Well, and I'll compare Lance Armstrong to Barry Bonds and to Roger Clemens. Right. With Bonds and Clemens, they've been quiet. They've gone away. They have not gone after anyone. They're riding off into the sunset, and now the debate will rage on forever. Did they use performance-enhancing drugs, which many people think they do in the court of public opinion, but in the court of law, no one's ever proven that they used performance-enhancing drugs. That debate will always rage. Now, because of Lance Armstrong and his admission, we know without a doubt that Lance Armstrong used performance-enhancing drugs. All right, when we come back, we will count down our three remaining top stories of the year 2013. Happy holidays from the team here at Sports Business Radio. This is SBR's Top 10 Sports Business Stories of the Year.
0: More of the countdown next.
1: I've gotta do just what I'm told. Santa Claus is gonna be dropping in on me.
2: Is there something I might have
1: missed? Hi, it's Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. When I'm not on the radio, I team with nationally known sports writer and broadcaster Rick Buker, former Nike PR senior executive Lee Weinstein, and veteran strategic communications executive John Lashway to form media and social media training firm. Everything is on the record. The Everything is on the Record team provides a unique blend of strategic PR and journalism expertise to our clients. We have worked in the trenches in corporate boardrooms with CEOs and company spokespeople. We've also worked in newsrooms alongside editors and reporters. Everything is on the Record uses an innovative and unique approach to media training. Through the use of current media and social media examples tailored specifically for you, we prepare you for how best to relate to the digital media world that exists today. Whether you're meeting with a reporter, sitting at your home computer, or typing on your smartphone, you're on the record. We'll also put you through real-life scenarios where you'd be dealing with a reporter so when you see the real thing, you'll be well prepared and comfortable. With the goal of enhancing your image, protecting your reputation, and helping you connect with the people who are most important to your brand, we will show you how to develop the skills you need to be successful in a world where everyone has a camera, a recorder, and a desire to make news. For more information on our services, and to learn more about our team of communications all-stars, go online to EverythingIsOnTheRecord.com. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at EverythingIsOnTheRecord.com. You can call us today at 503 701 2215.
0: This is Sports Business Radio.
1: Alright, we're back, and we are counting down the top ten sports business stories of the year 2013, according to our staff. And we've taken some input from you, the listener. You can follow us on Twitter at SB Radio. We love interacting with you on Twitter. The third biggest story of 2013, Griggs, Ryan Braun. And A-Rod lead a list of players suspended by Major League Baseball for using performance-enhancing drugs. So Ryan Braun was suspended without pay for the final 65 games of the 2013 season for violation of the Major League Baseball Joint Drug Prevention and Treatment Program. But then the big hammer came down on A-Rod. Yankee Slugger was given a 211-game ban in a Major League Baseball's biogenesis investigation. Nelson Cruz, uh, some other big names were also suspended. Everyone took their suspension and served it, but not Arod. Arod's he's fighting it, and Arod has a lot of money at stake. And the thing that is going to be interesting, and this is one of those stories that we talked about earlier, that is going to carry into 2014, and I guarantee you, it's on our top 10 list next year. Major League Baseball versus Arod. Millions of dollars at stake, depositions, testimonies, embarrassing information could come out on both sides. If you're Major League Baseball, do you really want this to go to trial? Where all the dirty laundry comes out. If you're Alex Rodriguez, do you really want this to go to trial? Where all the dirty laundry comes out and you could lose your millions. This is his last contract. This is the last hurrah for A-Rod. A-Rod, like our friend Armstrong, who we talked about earlier, vehemently denies using performance-enhancing drugs, knowingly. His legal team vehemently denies that he has used performance-enhancing drugs and that he has ties to Tony Bosch, who ran Biogenesis out of a strip mall. It's an interesting story. You know, if you want to go to Ryan Braun, Ryan Braun... What an embarrassment for him. He's lost all his endorsements. But Ryan Braun comes back to over $100 million remaining on his contract. Smart guy. Cheated. Got a big contract. Served a suspension. Now he comes back. He's still got $100 bucks on the table. So cheating does pay if you're Ryan Braun. He's got no endorsements. He's ruined his legacy. He'll never go to the Hall of Fame. People wanted him to give back his MVP trophy. But if you look at it from the accounting spreadsheet, Griggs, and that's what we do a lot on this show, Ryan Braun comes out ahead. And to me, if you're another player and you watch how that played out for Ryan Braun, doesn't do anything to discourage me from using performance-enhancing drugs unless you've got that little uh, angel on your uh, shoulder saying, don't do it, (laughs) don't do it. That thing that you call your conscience saying, don't do it. Other than that, a lot of players go, you know what? Hey, Ryan Braun did it, got a big contract, still has $100 million. It's going to be interesting to see what happens. You know, Major League Baseball has said we've cleaned up the game. Home runs are down. Those cartoonish statistics are down. Have they really cleaned it up? I think they've done a great job. I think they've cleaned it up. We see less suspensions. Bud Selig on his way out pretty soon, too, and he is going all in against A-Rod. Some people thought 211 games, way over the top. If he had given him the rest of the season like he did Ryan Braun, maybe A-Rod accepts that. But there's something there with Bud Selig against Alex Rodriguez. And, you know, again, kudos to Major League Baseball for trying to clean up their sport. But is it too little too late? That's the question a lot of people have. And if you look at the Hall of Fame voting Griggs, Piazza doesn't get in. Clemens doesn't get in. Bonds doesn't get in. Those three guys right there. And Piazza, by the way, there's been whispers about performance-enhancing drugs. Not anywhere near the same whispers that you've had or shouts with Clemens and Bonds. But I think voters... Media people have said, I'm not putting anyone from that era in first ballot, and they may not get in at all. McGuire still hasn't gotten in. Sosa hasn't gotten in. Some guys that have just gaudy numbers haven't gotten in. At some point, do you have to say, well, either you don't put anyone from that era in, or you have to put everyone from the era in. I will say this. I would bet my life that Greg Maddox never used performance-enhancing drugs. He's up for the Hall of Fame this year. If he doesn't get in on the first ballot, a guy some people consider to be the greatest pitcher of all time, a guy who posted his numbers during the friggin' steroid era, (laughs) if he doesn't get in first ballot, the people who have ballots should lose their ballots.
2: Yeah, I agree. You're completely right. And it's just, uh, I mean... I don't know. I mean, I love baseball, but, man, it's just annoying to see people like A-Rod and the Seed league thing. And you know there's something there, because there's egos. There's two egos there Huge. that are battling, and they're going to battle who knows. I mean, it, like you said, it'll be in our stories next year, because this is going to keep going and keep going and going. And it's not going to be pretty, especially if we go to trial.
1: Well, and you wonder at some point if the Major League Baseball lawyers are going to say to Bud League, look, you don't want to go to trial with this. Yeah, You don't want this to continue in the news cycle reduce the suspension, make it 100 games or 150 games, agree on something, and move on. Because this is not going to end pretty for Major League Baseball or for Alex Rodriguez. You would think at some point when tempers calm down that both sides would see that. If this goes to trial, it is must-see <laughs> TV. It is the, the greatest trial uh, since OJ. Yeah. And a very different reason. But it, it's going to be must-see TV. That's- and the depositions and the, uh, the news that will come out of this trial will be very, very interesting. Again, I'll be surprised if it gets to that point. I think cooler heads will prevail. I think both sides have a lot of motivation to settle. But right now, uh, it, it's a game of chicken. Who's going to blink first? And uh, we'll see how it plays out. But it's going to be a big story in 2014. Our second biggest story of the year, 2013. And this was just such a tragedy. And I think everyone remembers where they were on April 15th. A day of celebration. One of the biggest events in our country, the Boston Marathon. Marred by a bombing at the finish line. And many people injured, 175 seriously injured, three people killed, people lost limbs, and it was because of two brothers, and I won't even mention their name. They don't even deserve to have their names mentioned on this show. I'm not going to give them any credibility, notoriety, anything. But to me, the response of the first responders The response of just everyday people like you and me on the scene that helped others. The response of the teams in Boston. The Red Sox played with a lot of passion for their fans and for that city the rest of the season. The Bruins did the same. The Celtics. And really, the sports world paused and paid respect to Boston and to the victims Uh, A very moving response after the whole Boston Marathon bombing. But, you know, as someone who has planned many, many sporting events and been around a lot of sporting events, here's the true fact. A marathon, which is, what, 26.2 miles, and a huge course, it's not in an arena, it's not in a stadium, it's not in a confined area, unless you don't have spectators... You are never going to protect a course that big. It is just not possible. And you'd always like to think that security could be better. I'm sure that precautions at events and marathons specifically will improve after what happened in Boston. But there's a price we pay for our freedom. And unfortunately, when there's crazy people out there in the world, they come to high-profile events like this and they do crazy hateful things like this but uh you know just a huge story I still remember that iconic cover of sports illustrated yeah. with the police officers and that older man who's on the ground and they're going to to help him up and there's smoke in the background and it's just a shocking scene that you don't anticipate much like you know, the shock we felt on, on 9-11 where you feel violated and, oh my gosh, is anything safe anymore?
2: Yeah, and I think, uh, as you hit on earlier when you were talking about it, the teams in Boston, I think, rose and did some great things. I think the community, obviously, phenomenal. And the first responders, in it, the good thing, I, if there is anything out of something like this, is to see how people can come together and help each other and lift each other up. And, you know, I think it makes a city like Boston even stronger when something like that happens. And it's too bad it's at the loss of people, obviously. But, uh... On that side of when you look back at it you're like you know there's there's new friendships made there there's new city people there are, there's a there's a tighter bond there and I think it it helps in the long run and but yeah I mean it's a crazy story a tragic story on a an iconic event too
1: well people ran marathons after that you know and you saw the Boston strong hats and shirts yeah. and ribbons and not only in the United States but all over the world right and it, it was such a tribute. To Boston, I know that there's a number of people that I know personally that are going to run in the Boston Marathon in April of 2014, coming up in a few months, and they will not be deterred by these two brothers who committed this hateful act. And you know, to them, kudos, and uh, the people that are going to run this, kudos. It's just it's it's good to see the spirit of people is not going to be uh, suspended by these hateful men that committed this hateful act. So uh, that is our second biggest story of the year. The top story in sports business, according to our team here at sports business radio of the year, 2013, the NFL concussion issue Griggs. This is an issue that made huge news this year. It's an issue that is going to continue to make big news for a long time in August the NFL announced a $765 million payout to settle the concussion-related lawsuit that more than 4,500 athletes had brought against the NFL. So the sides agreed to this settlement. The NFL also said they'd pick up the players' legal fees, and any of the league's 18,000 retired players would be eligible to receive payouts from the fund. The settlement prevented the NFL from having to disclose internal files revealing what it knew about concussion-related brain trauma. Now, Griggs, I've talked to many people in the last few months, and there's also been some news just in recent weeks. This is not over by a long shot. No. Anyone who thought, well, the NFL paid seven sixty-five million to the players, $765 million, this is going to go away, wow, we avoided that one. (laughs) You're wrong. This is going to get real ugly. And what we're going to see next is that there are going to be numerous new lawsuits that will be filed by former NFL players. They're not happy. You have a lot of players saying, I wasn't on board with the settlement. The settlement wasn't enough for me. I continue to have problems What the NFL banked on was the fact that the NFL players didn't have the time because they're not in very good health and they didn't have the money to drag this through the courts for the next 10 years. So they basically said, we're going to wear you down or we'll settle with you. And some lawyers got together. Representing the players and said $765 million, we'll take it. But now you've got players saying, no, 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 no. This is not enough. And the thing that's really interesting to me, Griggs, forget about the money for a minute. In the last year, and again, I'm a PR guy, so I watch this stuff, the media coverage and the tenor against the NFL. You know, the NFL has always been seen as this league that no matter what, Aaron Hernandez can get charged with murder. You can have multiple off-the-field instances with NFL players and legal issues. The NFL still gets huge TV ratings. They still draw at the gate. It is still the most dominant sports league in America by a long shot. But we've seen... A little of the gloss come off of the NFL this year, in my opinion. And now what's happening is you've got former players coming out and speaking out loudly against the league. And then you've got these emotional stories. Here's Earl Campbell. Here's Tony Dorsett coming out saying he's living with CTE. You have Javon Belcher, who killed his girlfriend, He was just exhumed, uh, if that's the right term, a week ago. They dug him up. His family dug him up so they could examine his brain for CTE. You have the League of Denial book and documentary that came out. The NFL has always been able to ride the storm out of any negative publicity. The wave of negative publicity coming with association to the concussion issue it's mounting, and it's getting stronger, and the former players are coming out more and more every day. We see players like Junior Seau dying. It's going to be really interesting to see where this goes. Look, the NFL is a $14 billion a year league. They're going to have new TV deals. They print money. Very, very successful. So to me, $765 million, when I saw that, I thought, Wow. The league got out of there pretty good because now you're not going to trial. You don't have to reveal what you knew and when you knew it. And for a league that makes billions of dollars a year, $765 million really isn't that much money. And some people thought, well, okay, isn't it great? The players can get help now. We even talked about that here on this show. That was the good news for the players. The bad news is, is that maybe they're getting shortchanged and, Lawyers have gotten into the players' ears, the former players, and now you're seeing lots and lots of side lawsuits followed, and this is not going to go away for the NFL. And if you really want to look at the long-term impact of this, Griggs, and we've talked about this on this show this year with everyone from Lee Steinberg, who's a longtime NFL agent, to other experts, mothers are now starting to say, and fathers, but mainly mothers, I don't want my son playing football. Mm -hmm. Look at all these cases. And then you start adding up the trauma you get to your head in Pop Warner, in high school, in college. By the time you get to the NFL, you may already have CTE. And we've seen it in a lot of cases. And the NFL, unfortunately, because they are this big target, they do make billions of dollars a year. They're the ones who are being targeted by the players who played in the NFL. I didn't get it in Pop Warner. I didn't get it in high school. I didn't get it in college. This, you, the NFL, you did this to me so I have long-term memory loss, so I have CTE, so I have problems living my day-to-day life. But the problem is for the NFL, again, this is such an emotional story. It breaks my heart to see... You know, Earl Campbell can barely walk, to see Tony Dorsett, who was one of my favorite players growing up, saying, I'm living with CTE, I have rage issues, I take my kids to school, and I can't remember how to get home. That makes me sad, Griggs.
2: Yeah, it's devastating, and like you said, it's, it's a story that's going to keep going, and it's something that's not, people are getting concussions every day in the game. Every game, there's people that go out. So it's not something that's going to stop either. I mean, it's not like, oh, everybody's had their concussions, now we can deal with it they just continue to happen as well. And I know NFL is trying to protect the game more, but, I mean, you still see it every single game. So the incidents are not going to quit. So that means the stories are going to keep going.
1: All right. Those are our top ten sports business stories of the year 2013. When we come back, we will look ahead to 2014, and we'll discuss some of the stories that we think will make headlines in 2014. Happy holidays to you. You're listening to Sports Business Radio.
0: Back to Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger.
1: All right, we're back. Happy holidays to you. And we have just counted down our top 10 sports business stories of the year 2013. You can always go back and listen to our shows via podcast. A number of different spots you can find us. You can start at sportsbusinessradio.com. We post our podcast. You can listen through your web browser there. You can find us on iTunes We're on TuneIn Radio. We also just uh, made a deal with Swell, which is a new talk radio app. If you just want to listen to talk radio, Swell is your app. Really good app, highly recommend it. Uh, let's look ahead, Griggs, to 2014 because some big things on the horizon. First of all, whenever you have an Olympic year, it's it's always big news. In Sochi, coming up quick, just a few months, and uh, you know NBC is going to be. Televising the Olympic Games again They always get big ratings I anticipate they'll get really big ratings again Maybe record setting ratings uh, Winter Olympics usually seem to draw pretty well Because a lot of people, you know, it's wintertime And they're at home and it's yep. cold And you're sitting around the TV And uh, the other thing that you would expect is And we've seen this with the last few Olympics We've seen it with events like the NCAA tournament Online viewership is in. It's just increasing, and it's a place where you know now you can watch things on your iPad and your mobile devices, and it's not just about watching on TV anymore. So uh, that will be another thing that NBC, NBC will be able to uh, capitalize on.
2: I enjoyed that last time because me and my brother are kind of closet curling fans. Ah, <laughs> they really? Never, they Curly. never show it because it's such a weird sport to me, and it's. Uh, they Do never you guys ever compete? No, curling? no, nothing like that. But just just how they. <laughs> Watching it on TV is hilarious, having those guys with the scrapers out there going as fast yeah. as they can. And it's be- a very uh, fun sport yeah. to watch on TV. So with the online viewership, we were able to see a little bit more of that because they put some of that stuff that you don't see on NBC or right. CNBC or any of the major networks, you get to see some of that stuff. So we enjoyed that, and I think they'll they'll do well again this year. I love the Winter Games just because I love the snowboarding, skiing, the jumps. Uh, my little boy is into it. We love watching the snowboarders, and, and uh, it's just... It's just cool. And like you said, winter, there's not a ton going on, so we have that time to you know hang out in, in the house and watch uh, some fun stuff.
1: You've got a lot of politics around the games being in Russia. Uh, I thought it was very interesting that uh, amongst the delegation from the United States heading to Russia for the Olympics, Billie Jean Keane <laughs> and Brian Boitano. And look, I applaud that. I'm all for equal rights. And uh, you know I don't want to get into politics right now, but... I thought that was an interesting move by President Obama. And uh, Billie Jean King and Brian Botano, very well respected, especially Billie Jean King. She is an icon and uh, has always fought for equal rights. So the fact that she's going to make the trip to Russia will also be an added storyline to the games themselves. Who will be the most marketable athletes? You know, we know that uh, Lindsey Vaughn may or may not compete, we know that uh, Evan Lysachik is not competing figure skating. There's always some figure stating star that emerges oh, yeah. yep. somewhere. Uh, Lolo Jones is, was is she, like on the bobsled team? Mm-hmm. So is she going to be doing anything? I know she had a big deal or has a big deal with Red Bull. So you know who will the marketing stars, who will the household names be at the end of the Olympics? That's always fun Sean, to watch too. Sean
2: White is always one of the top, I think, uh, in the snowboarding because he just kills it out there. Just destroys tomato. everybody. <laughs> yeah, with a, a haircut now. Yeah. See sporting the, uh, you see sport know, in the know the uh, non braid. Yeah. He and I are looking
1: more like every day. <laughs> Both red hair. There you go. Yeah. Mine's turning gray now. <laughs> Other big stories. Uh we were just talking about this the Super Bowl. Outdoor Super Bowl at MetLife Stadium. Yep. Uh we've seen everything from there's no tailgating <laughs> to the game could possibly move to Tuesday <laughs> if there's the snowstorm to end all snowstorms on the Sunday of the Super Bowl. We know that the Fox broadcast is sold out. Yep. They've already sold their spots. What is it? Four and a half million dollars that they're getting for a 30-second spot, which is a record. The prices increase every year. Yep. Uh, there's going to be lots and lots of interest. This will be a Super Bowl where uh, the true fans will not be in attendance unless you're very wealthy. It's going to be... The corporations are there. It's going to be people are entertaining. This is not uh, a Super Bowl in warm weather. So, you know, and it's in New York and and they're they're making it tough for the real fans to get there. If your team advances and you're coming from another city and you've got a short amount of time, hotel rooms are going to be expensive. A lot of them are going to be sold out. Transportation, uh, you've got to be you know, transported a certain way to MetLife Stadium. They've got a very concise number of parking spots. You cannot tailgate, as we just said. So it's going to be interesting, a lot of different storylines. Weather will probably be one of the storylines. And, you know, either it's going to be moderate, we'll see some snow, and we'll go, isn't that charming that there's snow (laughs) for an outdoor game? Or it's going to be downright ugly and the game is going to move to a Tuesday or something like that. (laughs) So
2: it's... Uh going to be interesting to watch. It's fun to follow it always. It always is. Super Bowl is a big game. Obviously, everybody in the world w- pretty much watches it, so everybody's following it. And, uh, yeah, it's. I mean, I think snow would be fun just to mix it up a little bit. And um, I also saw a picture today online of a story uh, about the, this massive snow melt semi that they're going to roll out that, I don't know, melts 600 million square yards in a minute. <laughs> I don't know what it is. I mean, it's just funny. The storylines are fun. The mega snow <laughs> melter. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well,
1: the NFL, uh, usually pretty well prepared. They do a great job of running the Super Bowl. I think they learned their lesson a few years ago in Dallas when there was yeah. the freeze <laughs> and when they had obstructed seats for a lot of people. So I think they're going through uh, all their due diligence and taking all the necessary precautions. But, you know, there's always things you can't anticipate, and especially if it's weather related. So uh, it'll be interesting to watch. Other stories to watch out for, for 2014. We talked earlier a-Rod versus Major League Baseball, what is that going to look like? How is it going to play out? That's going to be a huge story. The NFL concussion lawsuits that continue to roll in from former players, will that seven sixty five? is that just a number on a piece of paper? Or is that actually going to be paid out at some point? And how many players are down with the $765 million settlement? How many players are going to say, nope. I'm filing my own suit. I need something different. That doesn't work for me. And how much of a hit is the brand of the NFL going to take as this continues in the news cycle that football's a dangerous game and more and more players have CTE and more and more players are, you know, hurting themselves, in some cases, shooting themselves in the chest and preserving their brain so they can be studied. It's an ugly story on many levels. And I anticipate that it's going to continue in in twenty fourteen.
2: And then one more story I was thinking about too: the uh, college playoff system. Yes, takes effect. That'll be interesting to see how that all. Uh, I mean, obviously the the TV people will love it, and ESPN will love it, and uh, and the games
1: are in Glendale, Arizona, right? and
2: then Tampa Bay, Florida. Yep, which are two great sites, I think.
1: Well, uh, and warm weather, and so warm you don't weather. have to worry
2: about exactly
1: snow and ice and <laughs> things like that, unless and places fans like to visit. You know, yes, you exactly. Good good tourist places. Yep, so. Uh, that will be interesting to watch. You're you're exactly right. Uh, some TV rights deals to watch for. The NBA, most people anticipate they're going to be renewing their rights deals. Uh, unless there's some kind of a surprise, it's anticipated that ESPN and Turner will renew their deals with the NBA for more money. And that the uh, brands that have carried the NBA will continue to carry the NBA. I always like TNT. I, I love yep. watching Ernie and Charles and... Kenny and Shaq, I think it's the best studio show yep. on TV. So I'm I'm hoping that they stay with Turner.
2: Not to mention that studio is like a mansion. I mean, they got a full court in there.
1: Yeah, <laughs> crazy. Yeah. Well, in Kenny's pictures, I like when he goes <laughs> yeah. up. He yeah. looks like a little yeah. kid yeah. compared to the humongous <laughs> screen. Yeah, and he always has like his old man walk
2: <laughs> when he's walking yeah, good, over there. They're, they're good chemistry. Yeah, Def T knows what they're doing. They're good. So,
1: uh, Texas, the University of Texas, they've got a new athletic director who we in Portland know, Steve Patterson, former president of the Portland Trailblazers. They're looking for a new head football coach. He's uh, re-energizing that program. It is the most profitable college athletic program in, in the United States. So, you know, you're talking about a humongous brand when you look at the University of Texas. That will be something that I'm sure lots of people are talking about. So... Uh, I'm sure we'll have lots of stories to discuss next year on the show, and uh, especially at our year-end show a year from now. But again, a reminder, 2014, 10 years of sports business radio. So we're looking forward to celebrating our 10th anniversary throughout the year. Uh, we invite you to follow us on Twitter, at SB Radio. My daughter, Sophia, every year, a special tradition that we have. I started this when she was two. I sit down in a studio and I do an interview with her, and we talk about everything from uh, who her teacher is to who her friends are, what she's doing in school. It's something that I treasure. I love going back this year. We went back and listened. She had never heard her interview with me when she was two, and she heard her little voice, and her eyes lit up, and she didn't even recognize that that was her. And the time flies, so by, flies by so fast for all you parents out there that have kids, and Sophia is Sophia's my only daughter, so, uh, you know, I'm learning firsthand just how fast the time flies by, but one of my favorite things is documenting her growth with our annual radio interview, and she has this greeting for all of you listeners out there.
2: I'm Sophia Berger. Merry Christmas, and Happy New Year.
1: So that's my little sweetie. We got into golf this year, and my daughter, who is turning nine in January, one of the Bucket list days of my life, Gregs. My favorite course on the planet is the Kapalua course, the plantation course in Maui. And my dear friend John Wetzel, who has always been like a father figure to me, former NBA player and coach, just salt of the earth gentleman, he and I and Sophia went out and played the plantation course in September. And I'll tell you what. Uh, doesn't get much better than that. And Riding around in the cart with her and seeing her hit some shots and getting <laughs> some snacks from the snack lady as she came around in a beautiful day of weather and looking out on the ocean. Uh, you could have just uh, kept me there for a long time, and I would have been very happy.
2: Yeah, it is it is cool to share those moments with, with our kids. I, I have a 7-year-old boy, and um, he's a big gamer. I mean, it's, it's funny. Mm-hmm. I'm not a big – I'm an Xbox guy, but I'm not huge into it, and he's just really clicked with it, loves it. We love to play together, which has been really cool uh playing some games with him and uh and he's just he's fun to watch him develop and he's he's got this brain that he he knows more stuff about these games already than I do. It's crazy. It's, it's amazing to
1: see, you know, for Sophia, she really the the light came on for her with sports this year. And yeah. I've not forced sports on her because of what I do. Uh but she really liked being around soccer. She plays soccer and we got to go watch Alex Morgan play soccer in person. Uh, She met James Harden this year, who's one of her favorite players, and he was very nice to her, and uh, she got to sit in an ESPN truck and actually put the headphones on, and it was a blowout, so they let her uh, call some of the shots. Hope I don't get anyone at ESPN fired for (laughs) announcing that my eight-year-old daughter for uh, five minutes was helping (laughs) direct part of the game in a blowout. But uh, really cool experiences that she enjoyed, and it's now a lot of fun for us to either play golf or go to a game together. Yeah. Uh, we work with the minor league affiliate here in uh, Portland, the Hillsboro Hops. So she and I went to a bunch of baseball games during the summer, and she got to run the bases and sit in the dugout. And, nice. So it was really fun, and, and I'll be honest with you. Uh, because I'm so close to sports, and this is kind of sad for me to say, sometimes I'm jaded by it. Like mm-hmm. I, I've seen the underbelly. And I don't get as excited as I used to when I was a kid. So having a daughter and seeing it through her eyes and seeing her get excited about it makes me excited again.
2: Yeah, that's true. And uh, one other thing too about with with me, and my my boy Kellen, uh, hockey. He's our we have the Portland Winterhawks here in town, and yeah. we've really I grew up with my dad going all the time. Yeah, and we started with him, and he's starting to really catch on to hockey. He loves it. It's awesome. And he gets into the da- dancing with the songs. <laughs> of course, he loves <laughs> the snow cones and the licorice ropes. But oh yeah, but hockey's been kind of something we've got to kind of I've got to go with my dad and him together. So it's kind of like the three generations. It's been real fun. So it is fun to see sports through kids because they just don't, they don't they don't know all the the baggage behind it. They just get to enjoy the yep. the action on the ice. It's yeah,
1: it's cool. Well, and something else I want to tell the audience about. Uh, I will once again be running the Sports PR Summit in New York, May twenty second at the MLB Fan Cave, great Major League Baseball venue. This past May, we sold out our first event. It was a half day event. Uh, our next event, May 22nd, will be a full-day event. Essentially what it is is we bring senior executives from across the sports landscape to New York to have discussions on communications and PR and social media. Jeremy Schapp from ESPN will be at our event. Uh, LZ Granderson from ESPN and CNN. Rick Bucher, who's my partner on our media training firm, Everything is on the Record, longtime broadcaster with ESPN. Uh, lots of people from all the various leagues. Will be on our panels. So, uh, if you want to find out more about that event, you can go to sportsprsummit.com. Uh, we're on Twitter at sportsprsummit and uh, follow us there because we'll we'll have some good things going on. And I'm going to try and uh, do some interviews from there this year and and do some interviews for Sports Business Radio from the Sports PR Summit. It has been another stellar year. Enjoy doing the show with you, Griggs. I appreciate our listeners. Uh, I hope everyone has a happy New Year. You got any plans
2: for New Year's Eve? Um, you know, we don't usually do too much for New Year's with the little guy. We're kind of home, but, you know, yeah. it's me and my wife. We get to pop some champagne, have a kiss, and call it another year. Yeah, I uh,
1: <laughs> I downplay it, too. I, yeah. uh, you know, back in the day, uh, go to Vegas, sure, yeah. climb the statues at Caesar's <laughs> Palace. Yes, I've actually done that. Jump in the fountain. I sat in the chariot. <laughs> no, I did not jump in the fountain, <laughs> but good. I sat in the chariot. Uh, Smoke the stogie, but those days are pretty much done. So uh, I'm, uh, I love it. I'm uh, home for New Year's Eve. But everyone, don't drink and drive. Have a safe holiday season. We'll look forward to talking to you in January right here on Sports Business Radio. Happy holidays. Hi, it's Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. When I'm not on the radio, I team with nationally known sports writer and broadcaster Rick Bucher, former Nike PR senior executive Lee Weinstein, and veteran strategic communications executive John Lashway to form media and social media training firm Everything is on the Record. The Everything is on the Record team provides a unique blend of strategic PR and journalism expertise to our clients. We have worked in the trenches in corporate boardrooms with CEOs and company spokespeople. We've also worked in newsrooms alongside editors and reporters. Everything is on the Record uses an innovative and unique approach to media training. Through the use of current media and social media examples tailored specifically for you, we prepare you for how best to relate to the digital media world that exists today. Whether you're meeting with a reporter, sitting at your home computer, or typing on your smartphone, you're on the record. We'll also put you through real-life scenarios where you'd be dealing with a reporter so when you see the real thing, you'll be well-prepared and comfortable, with a goal of enhancing your image protecting your reputation, and helping you connect with the people who are most important to your brand, we will show you how to develop the skills you need to be successful in a world where everyone has a camera, a recorder, and a desire to make news. For more information on our services and to learn more about our team of communications all-stars, go online to everythingisontherecord.com. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at everythingisontherecord.com. You can call us today at 503 701 Two two one five.